May all grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's our gospel lesson today from Luke chapter 4 that serves as the focus of our meditation this morning. I bet if I mentioned to you this morning the word economics or economy, the first thing that would come to your mind would be what? Money. Exactly, right? Have you ever had an economics class? That's what you remember. Money. Um, but you know, economics is so much more than just money. Sure, money is probably one of the driving factors in an economy, just like things like transportation and, and materials and, and, and health and things of that nature. But at its core, economics is, is much, much more than that. Economics is really about decisions and choices. You know, we make choices every day. We decide to get out of bed in the morning, come to church, go to work, go to school, choose what to wear and what to eat, choose what to spend our time on and our money towards. Believe it or not, we even choose how to treat people, who we're going to spend our time with, and quite honestly, who we're going to avoid. And we call this economy of information. The study of information is, help, is what helps us decide what to do in an economy or how, how an economy is run. Now, I want you to think about this in the context of being Christians. How well we are informed and what we choose to hear and help us to decide to spend our money and time on, our talents towards, and people, how are we going to treat them, determines how we will fulfill our spiritual lives. And we can call this the economy of the Spirit. I seem to be mentioning a lot about economics and economy this morning. You're probably wondering what in the world economics has to do with God. I bring it up for one very big reason, for this statement right here. Jesus does not separate economics from spirituality. In order to understand that statement, we're going to dig into our gospel lesson this morning to get some more information on it. We look at Jesus today. Jesus began His work in the power of the Holy Spirit, anointed for a purpose, to bring good news to those who are poor, the blind, the oppressed, the lame, the downtrodden, those who are living on the fringes of society. And today, He's standing in a synagogue in His hometown of all places, informing the congregation there about the good news He is appointed to bring. And the portion of the scroll that he unrolls and reads is from Isaiah, says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, these are probably words that that congregation's heard sometime in the past. They're probably words that they were sitting there with bated breath waiting to be fulfilled. And then Jesus does that. Jesus delivers the good news. He says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So let us stop right here for a moment and reflect on that statement that I made earlier that Jesus does not separate economics from spirituality. Let's look at this in economic terms of money and health and possessions. 
Now, just as Jesus read from Isaiah and then says that prophecy has been fulfilled, if Jesus is the anointed one, who does he proclaim the good news to? The poor and the oppressed and the blind and so forth, right? People with little to no money, people with poor health, people with little to no hope. And that last line of the verse says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This refers to the year of Jubilee, and if you know what that's all about, it's one in which land is returned to owners, debts are forgiven, and and people and land rest. All throughout the Gospel of Luke, there are examples of how Jesus shows concern for the impoverished. And look, Luke 6, Jesus blesses the poor but pronounces woe on the rich. Luke 18, Jesus tells the rich, young ruler, to sell all his possessions and give the proceeds to the poor. The tax collector Zacchaeus, what does his salvation look like? It includes giving half his possessions to the poor and paying back four times what he defrauded people of. And then in Luke 7, Jesus says to two of John the Baptist's disciples, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor receive good news, preach to them. And blessed are those who are not offended by me. Jesus does not separate economics from spirituality. We humans, on the other hand, well, that's a different story. We'll seek to separate economics from spirituality depending on the information we receive. You ever heard of Finagle's Law of Information? So I'm going to back up a second. Everybody's heard of Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law is what? Murphy's Law says that whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Finagle's Law is a corollary to that that says whatever can go wrong will go wrong and at the worst possible time. Part of that is Finagle's Law of Information. And it's got four premises, and it says this. The information we have isn't the information we need. The information we need isn't necessarily the information we want. The information we want isn't information we can obtain. And the information we can obtain, we don't want to pay for it. I want you to think about that as we see what the people of Jesus' hometown do with the information that Jesus gives them. So after Jesus gets done saying that today in the Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, the people of his hometown are praising him. They're marveling at him. They're, you know, with the words of their mouth. They look at him and say, is this not the son of Joseph? They're loving what Jesus says because what he just said seems like good news to them. There's a problem with that, though. Jesus, seemingly unprovoked, turns them on their heads. He looks at them and says, doubtless you will quote me this, physician, heal yourselves. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Now, no offense to Jesus, I'm not sure that I'd have the guts to do that in one of my very first sermons to somebody, right? But Jesus is wise. Jesus is God, right? Jesus Jesus is extraordinary, right? Nothing he does is normal. God's power is extraordinary. And as we start to see Jesus turn them on their heads, he gives us a clue as to what these people will end up doing in separating economics from spirituality. Notice a quote about what was done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown. This is an alarming sign 
that these people in his hometown are expecting Jesus to be all about them. But we find Jesus reminding them that God isn't just about them. He's about all of his creation, all flesh. He gives his hometown people the example of how Elijah was sent to the widows. And how in the days of Elisha, of all the people that were healed, there was one named Naaman. Two examples of outsiders. Now what we begin to see with the townsfolk is the economy of information factor, right? They've received some provoking information from Jesus and now must make a decision. And remember, that's what economics is about, right? Information. And information forces us to make a decision. And the information the people of Jesus' hometown received turns them on their heads. What they originally thought was good news now turns to bad news, and guess what they decide? They decide that this information's got to go. Jesus needs to be thrown off a cliff. Can't have this because it's about somebody else. It's not about me now. Selfishness. They think the good news is supposed to be only for them. They think it's only for the faithful of God. The year of the Lord's favor is supposed to be theirs only. If this information was only meant for them, then there probably wouldn't be a separation of economics and spirituality. But they totally miss the point of what Jesus is telling them. Go back to Finagle's Law for a second. The information that these people of his hometown originally had wasn't what they needed. And what they needed, what Jesus was giving them, wasn't what they wanted. And the information they probably wanted to obtain, they couldn't. And what they could obtain, they certainly didn't want to pay the price for. You know, it's easy to become like the people of Jesus' hometown, isn't it? We're human beings just like them. We have our ailments and our financial woes and troubles. We're burdened by our jobs and bosses at times. We hear all kinds of bad news. We're bombarded by information of all kinds in our society today. And it's hard to, to decipher and piece, you know, piece and parcel this information out and listen to what we need to be listening to. And before you know it, it becomes all about us. We think that us good Christians who go to church on Sunday mornings, we deserve God's good news, don't we? You ever had that moment when you've been praying and praying and praying to be delivered from some bad news in your life only to see somebody else get that good news? Become angry and jealous, don't we? Start questioning God about things. We can forget that God's healing is meant for all of His creation. That God's extraordinary power is meant for all flesh and that His good news is meant for all people. And that, my friends, is exactly what Jesus was anointed for to bring healing to the poor and liberty to the oppressed and sight to the blind. Not just the faithful who attend the synagogue, not just the faithful who attend Ascension Lutheran Church, but all people of all places and all times. And you know, I think what gets lost in the middle of it all is we get bombarded through, through all the information that floats around in society and all the things that we're telling is we forget who we are and the information that has been delivered to us. We forget that God's information is waiting for us, and that it's His information, His good news, it's found in Scripture. It's the only thing that can change our attitudes. We have to have an attitudinal change in order to realize what our callings are. Jesus, Jesus is anointed for, to deliver the good news and is filled with the Holy Spirit. So too have we. 
anointed in our baptisms, called for a purpose to carry on the good news of Jesus in our lives to others. But we can't do that if we're not spending time in it. We can't do that if we're not letting it convict us and change us. You have to have his information to have a transformation to go out and do what God is calling us to do. His, when he makes that, that point about Scripture, has been fulfilled in our hearing. It's not a one-time deal. It's an ongoing thing. He's calling us to go out and do those things. And then if you look at it, right? These people want to hurl him off a cliff. And what does Jesus do? He disappears from, his, from their presence. And if you finish reading out the rest of, of that chapter there, you'll find that Jesus returns right back to Capernaum. He continues to heal people. And then he's getting ready to leave Capernaum because people want to continue to bombard him with stuff. And Jesus says this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And so are we. We're armed with God's information and called to carry out that purpose. And what we need is a sound economy of information. We need a sound economy of spirituality. We need to let His information change us, open our ears to listen to Him, open our eyes to see the work that needs to be done. And then we can take that out and start delivering it to other people. And then maybe we might see a transformation in our societies, in our communities, and even within ourselves. Even if we're in the midst of suffering, when we're in God's Word, that's where we find our comfort and our healing. And then we also find healing by serving others. And God knows this world needs it. God knows we're broken people. And there's a lot of bad news floating around out there. But God knows that His Word stands. And you know what? God's paid that debt for us. God has obtained the information for us. God has set us free from the oppression of sin, has taken away our spiritual blindness, made us rich in spirit, and that's God's good news. The question is, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with that information that God provides us with? God's news has been delivered to each and every one of you, and God's good news is meant for all flesh. And to God be all the glory. Amen.